The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to Acme Packing Company's Intercepted. I'm Justice Mosqueda. I'm here with uh, Bengals fan uh, Tyler Brook. Say what's up to the people, Tyler. Uh, does it? Well, hello, everyone. Does it count? Am I a Bengals fan if I'm actually going to Cincinnati on Sunday? I don't think that's how that works. I think I'm going to be wearing green and gold. Yeah. So, okay. So, this is what happened. This is why the podcast is late. I recorded for a full hour with Joe Goodberry. He's great. He's the best Bengals resource out there. He used to work Absolutely. for the Athletic. He's a great guy. Um, wish you guys could have heard it. Unfortunately, the audio quality just got messed up so bad at the end. I, I don't know what happened on our end. He was sounding fine when we were recording, and then I listened to the audio afterwards, and we got Paul listening to it. Uh, we had Zach listen to it, and they were like, oh, oh no, this is unsavable. So this is what we're going to do. Tyler is going to play the role of me. I'm going to play the role of Joe Goodberry. So we're going to talk about Packers, Bengals. He's going to look at it from the Packers' perspective. After talking to Joe, I have a pretty good feel about uh, this Bengals team. I've seen them play two games this year, too, so I'll talk about the Bengals on that end. Uh, Tyler, one thing I did ask Joe was, where do you eat and drink in Cincinnati? He told okay. me, because okay. I know I know we're going to have some people from Acme Packing Co. down at the game, too, and uh, I'm sure there's plenty of Packers fans who listen to this who are probably thinking about making that trip. I, I said, am making that trip. i got to know this. Yeah, so Joe, Joe said – you know, where the stadium district is in that city is really like downtown. So yep. there's just bars and just places to eat everywhere. He basically said you could throw a rock and you could end up eating good food, drinking good drink. Uh, he did say he's never had uh, Skyline Chili and that he doesn't have any ambition no, really no. To, to participate in that. He was like, it just looks like, you know, just wet noodles. Like, it's just not not good for you. So he said he's never partaken. So that means, you know, we don't have to feel shame for, for not wanting to partake. Good. Either. Fantastic. Well, I, I will say this. I've been to like half a dozen Reds games in my life. And I feel like every time I end up around that area, it's just nicer and nicer. So they're doing a really good job with it. Last game I went to is maybe a couple of years ago. I had a blast. So I'm looking forward to it. And I will say this. I said something about going to the game today on Twitter. All the Bengals fans have been pretty nice. So, you know, shout out that fan base. They've been pretty respectful. If you're willing to go to Cincinnati, like they will welcome you with open arms. Like they're just so happy and they just don't. I mean, Packers fans are probably the most like seeing eye to eye with Bengals yep. fans, you know, small market in the Midwest. Um, Bengals fans are just 
sick and tired of just hearing Cincinnati jokes all the time, you know? Yeah, so if you're willing fair. to come in and you're willing to break bread with them, they're, they're just more than happy to share, share a table with you. You know what I mean? It's only, it's only a two hour drive for me. I'm in Indianapolis. Uh, I'm pretty pumped. My little brother is a diehard Packers fan. Uh, I originally wasn't even thinking about this game. And he was like, Hey, this might be Aaron Rodgers last year. And I was like, ah, oh, you're right. We got to go. We got to go. So he's flying in. We're taking the, it's less than two hour drive. Can't wait. Yep. All right, so let's get this thing started. We're going to talk about the Green Bay Packers offense uh, and the matchups against the Cincinnati Bengals defense, first and foremost. Um, Lou, their defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals, has had a little bit of a rough stretch. I think teams are kind of taking advantage of how they line up. One thing that the Bengals do is they're going to have big defensive linemen on the field. That's kind of been the mantra for the Bengals long term. I mean, even when you look at like – when Carl Lawson was there, right? Carl Lawson, great pass rusher, got paid a ton of money by the New York Jets. They let him walk in part because of uh, basically cash flow structure uh, in his contract. Um, they essentially signed Trey Hendrickson for the same amount, but just the money hits faster uh, in, okay. in, in Carl Lawson's bank account. Um, that, that's kind <laughs> of, I mean, the Bengals, right? I mean, they're still a little, a little cash poor. I, I know people saw uh, on Twitter, um, the photo of the players uh, at the presser, the post-practice presser. Oh, and it's the on like stand. Oh, gosh, yeah, it's on yeah. that little stand that like uh, you know substitute teachers roll the televisions out on when they when they come. That's in. bad. People are like, "What? You guys can't even? Yeah, you guys can't even get a a, a proper uh, a proper podium for these players to field questions on." And that's kind of they, the Bengals right now. I mean, it's a family-run business, and they make money off of football specifically. So when that is cycling around cash flow then becomes a problem you look at these owners and how they talk about um uh what dang i forget what you call it it's when when you you when you the nfl have this rule right where if you're going to sign a player to a contract you need to have escrow um escrow yeah you have to put money in escrow that becomes a problem for the Bengals because cash on hand then becomes an issue right we, we've seen this issue with the Khalil Mac and, and the raiders yep, yep i remember that vividly yep yep exactly um so the Bengals. Up front, one of the things that is a big question for them is if Larry Ogunjobi can go or not. Um, he is a penetrating defensive tackle. Um, he's kind of like their only pressure guy on the inside. They have DJ Reader, who's a great nose tackle. Um, he's going to eat up in the run game. He did that in Houston. He's done it at a, at a high clip. He's a pretty young guy. The, the one problem with Cincinnati's pass rush is they don't really have juice off the ball if it's not Larry, right? So they're getting a lot of penetration from the inside. Trey Hendrickson is fine. Sam Hubbard is a good run defender, but the thing with Trey Hendrickson is he's more of a guy who like wears down the pocket later in the down than he's just going to like get that jump off the ball and just beat your offensive tackle around the corner. You know, I will say I'm actually pretty impressed with how Cincinnati has reloaded that front, you know, when they lost Carl Lawson and obviously Geno Atkins and free agency, just because he's not the same player he used to be, you know, credit to them. I really liked Ogunjobi, you know, early on in Cleveland, he showed some real flashes. Uh, I will say this is definitely the area on either side of the ball where I'm pretty concerned. Um, Are you going to be able to run the ball effectively control possession with the Josh Myers news now that he's out and, Jenkins being questionable, though he's finally practicing. Like it could be horrible. <laughs> it could be horrible. Uh, I, I'm pretty optimistic, though. Stenovich has done such an incredible job getting whoever's out there ready. So it's something to keep an eye on. I do think Hendrickson's a little overrated. I feel like he had that season last year where sacks didn't necessarily 
necessarily, you know, show how much pressure he was generating consistently. So I'm interested. Uh, Ogan Joby, I'm not sure he's going to go. That's just my hot take. I think when you see a guy that's limited all week go from that to did not practice on Friday, uh, that's a big red flag to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that, that was the other funny thing about people shocked about Josh Myers, right? And they're like, yeah. oh, that's surprising. Josh Myers is listed as out. And I'm like, he hasn't practiced all week. I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's that, that surprising. <laughs> but uh, I mean, you, the Bengals have play. We'll talk about it later, but the Bengals have a couple guys that are questionable. I'm like those dudes did not practice all week. So you're pretty confident there, huh? Yeah. Um, at the linebacker level, uh, they have Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. Those are the two guys that you're going to see. Both of them are very athletic. Um, Logan Wilson's playing really good ball right now. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I have questions about with Green Bay's structure, right? So Green Bay, what is the plan right now? If you look at what they did against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the whole second half, they basically made it a binary, right? I wrote about it on the site a little bit um, with the three tight end sets, if you guys want to look that up uh, for Acme Packing Company. Basically what they did was they forced the Steelers to declare if they were going to double or at least shade a safety to Devontae Adams' way. Yep in an extreme way. So the way that they did it, they put three tight ends to one side. They put yep. Devontae Adams on the other. And if you shaded the safety to Devontae Adams, okay, that's two guys out of the fit, right? Then you have a cornerback outside of the three tight ends. He's outside of the fit because they're going to run inside. So now you have eight hats on eight hats and they were just willing to run the ball down your throat, right? So I guess that's the question when it becomes like, all right, who is Josh Myers replacement? And can he get that job done? Because if, you know, with MVS out, right, they don't really have another deep shot guy. The way that they've done it is they've kind of used Robert Tunyon as that guy, as that deep shot alternative to Devontae Adams. Um, and the big question is, okay, once you get Logan Wilson, who's, play, again, he's playing very good ball right now. Um, if He's not a household name. I understand, you know, the, the – Packers fans should know him a little bit. A little bit from the draft a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah, but – you know, I understand if, if you're not really uh, in tune to the uh, Jordan, uh, the Jordan uh, Logan Wilson uh, beat right now, but between him over the middle and then Jesse Bates at safety, I love that's Bates. actually like a really yeah. interesting matchup, I think, for Robert Tunyon, because that, that could be a win condition on either side. Like whoever wins that matchup over the middle of the field, I, I think the game could be decided that way. Not will be decided, but could be. I feel like LaFleur is going to game plan for Bates big time. I mean, every time I watch that guy, that guy is an absolute beast. Uh, Does such a good job breaking down on the ball. So, you know, to your point about 13 personnel and having, you know, see how the defense reacts to covering Devontae. I am curious to see, they try to feel out early on what's Bates playing. Are they going to use Bates to try and shade Adams? Are they going to try and double team bracket him? Or are they going to try and keep him in the middle of the field to cover the post? So I'm wondering if LaFleur has a couple different ideas of how he wants the game script to go based on how the Packers shade or sorry, how the Bengals, you know, are operating with Adams in mind, because let's be honest. I mean, he is the threat right now on offense, uh, especially if that front, you know, especially if the offensive line is struggling a little bit and the defensive line can beat him. Uh, it's going to be one of those days where Rogers and Adams are going to need to be clicking. Yeah. I think we're getting to that point of the season too, where like, man, these game time decisions are, are so yeah. huge. Like when, I mean, we'll talk about the Bengals offense in a bit, but you know, they have a couple offensive linemen plus Joe Mixon, you know, as question marks um, in the secondary uh, Chidobia Wuze uh, just came back. Uh, it seems like he's going to play, but Trey Wayne's is still questionable. Um, 
these are pretty big decisions, especially Larry Ogunjobi. Like if they don't have yeah. Ogunjobi, you know, that opens up the run game a little bit more. So like a lot of things are going to change, you know, what time is it? Uh, Eastern. So that'd be like 10 o'clock Eastern on, on a Sunday morning for inactives. Yeah. It's for usually inactives. 1130. I'm, I'm back on Eastern yeah. time flow. So inactives drop 1130. Uh, I'm West time. coast time. So like, there's no, chance I don't know I'm how you watch do it, that man. London game. There's no <laughs> chance. I'm or the first half of the London game. I'll say that I'm not waking up at six 30 in the morning to watch jet jets, Falcons kickoff. That's not happening. I'll catch as, the second half as a soccer fan. I don't know if I could ever live West coast just because there are insane. games. There are games I get up for 7.30 Eastern, maybe 4.30 your time. I'm like, I don't I don't think I could do that. I love soccer too much to move West Coast. No, it's people waking up at 5 a.m. to go to the bar and watch NBC Sports. I can't, hey, I can't imagine. Don't knock people waking up early to go to the bar, though. That part's always the best part. <laughs> Five in the morning's a bit much to me, frankly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think that is kind of the story of the Bengals' defense right now. It's Their defensive structure isn't necessarily there, but they have some guys, and it's really – kind of matchup oriented, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, the other thing that we should talk about, Elton Jenkins got listed as questionable. He's practicing now um, with that ankle injury that he sustained and apparently played through in week two. And just, yep. he must've done enough damage in, on that ankle that, you know, he's out two weeks, maybe, maybe three weeks. I mean, who knows? Uh, it sounds like he's going to be like day-to-day kind of game time decision-y. Um, Myers is officially out with that finger injury. That's a bummer. The big question is like, who do you want to start at center? Right. Cause, cause LaFleur talked about it a little bit and he's like, I'm not ruling out Nyman not starting. So that could mean, you know, Elton Jenkins could play center. That yep. means, um, you know, Jake Hansen could play center potentially like on paper, he's supposed to be the reserve center. And then uh, obviously Lucas, Fitzpat- or Lucas Patrick has some playing, some playing experience at center too. So, I mean, we could see three different potential centers, you know, depending on what happens on game day, they asked him about it in the post practice presser today. And LaFleur is like, you will find out who's starting <laughs> at center on the first play of our offensive drive. Cause I'm not going to tell you that. I'm pretty sure it's not even his call. It's definitely Stenovich is like, these are the five guys we're going to roll out. And he'd be like, okay. But I think we talked about this in the Slack a little bit earlier. It really is. Who do you want to play? Do you want Nyman to play or do you want Patrick or Hanson to play? And in my eyes, if Jenkins is good to go, you know, give me Nyman. He hasn't been perfect, but he's a big body. He's athletic and he's done a decent job. No, I, I agree. And Nyman, Nyman's earned himself some money. Congratulations to that guy. Cause oh yeah, you know, he, he might not be back, you know, in green Bay in the same capacity next year, but he'll be somewhere and he'll get paid solid money as a swing tackle. Kind of like how the Packers picked up like Dennis Kelly, right? That that's yeah. probably what Nyman is looking at next year. And I'm thinking his next, I was thinking uh, Ty Naseki, another guy that was a good mm-hmm. swing tackle. Some of those pretty solid. Uh, I do want to point out one thing about the Bengals defense, because uh, obviously statistically they stack up pretty well right now. Look at the quarterbacks they played. Yeah, I will say I mean, that. That's all I'm going to say. They've had some absolute brutal uh, quarterbacks they've had to play against, you know, a physically destroyed Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, one half, I'm not sure how long Fields played in that game, but Dalton started that game and Fields finished it. So that was all wonky. And then obviously the Jaguars Um, and the Jaguars played okay in that game. So I think their stats are super inflated. They are still giving up explosive plays on defense and I am actively rooting for Trey Waynes to start. I will say that I just fondly remember Rogers torching that guy any chance he gets. So I'm sure he's even like, I hope this guy plays. Yeah. I think that's kind of where the weakness is for the bang, this Bengals defense. I mean, obviously if, 
again, I'm going to keep saying this over and over again. You're going to want to know if Larry Ogunjobi's in the game, right? Yeah. So that, that's very important. But outside of that, the cornerbacks, I mean, if they do play, they're going to play banged up. And yeah. it's going to be close. It's going to be close to if they can go or not. Um, but like you mentioned, week one, Cincinnati Bengals, they, they, won, they took the Minnesota Vikings in overtime. Week two, they lost to Andy Dalton. Never a good sign. Week three, they smacked down the Pittsburgh Steelers, but they only scored 24 points. That should be noted. And that defense was very, played them in a very weird way. If we're going to talk about like complimentary football and how it, you know, defense impacts offense and all that, the Steelers really bought into Blitzburg. Like, yep. Two or three years ago, I can't remember whenever Minka Fitzpatrick, right? Whenever that trade happened, they really bought into that whole Blitzburg mentality. Against the Bengals, they basically didn't blitz, they just, kind of spot drop coverage. So it was kind of out of their hand too, because, you know, they were out two pass rushers. If you guys remember, we were talking about that the whole week leading up to that Steelers game, the following next week, where it was like both of their top pass rushers had groin injuries. Yeah. Will they play or won't they? They ended up playing against the Packers. They didn't against the Bengals and you saw their game plan change. And then last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars, that first half, I mean, they looked brutal. Uh, Joe, Joe actually at that game. And he was like, I couldn't believe, what we were seeing. And then they came out after halftime and they were like, yeah, just feed Jamar chase the ball. I forgot we have Jamar chase. Oh yeah. Let's just go do that. So they barely sneaked out against Jacksonville. They do have uh, extended rest, which is probably something that's worth talking about. Um, So they haven't played since that Thursday night game. So they're getting a little bit more rest coming into this one. I don't know how much that really impacts uh, this game because how young this Bengals team is generally. Right. I, I, I think that extended rest, helps like veteran teams more than uh yeah isn't isn't there that whole discussion of rest versus rust because it feels like a lot of these games where these guys are coming off a thursday night long extra week that they come come out a little sloppy uh the big thing to me that surprised me now that you bring that up is when you do look at the Bengals injury report they did have extra time to rest but there are still a lot of guys not practicing and to me that's that's a red flag yeah and some of these guys i mean they're getting hurt at practice that was that was the other thing is those late week injuries are really kind of what derails game plans a little bit because you've been practicing for two days and then you're like, oh, we're out of corner. Okay, that sucks. Yeah, and we're going against Devontae Adams. So again, I think the Packers are just doing such a good job at um, really, it's not really scheming Devontae Adams open as much as it is stress testing a defense to force them to if not, Commit, yeah. if not double Devontae, shade things to Devontae yeah. in, in different alignments. Because you'll get him at X, right, which is the solo receiver. You'll get him lined up as the one, two, or three in trips. And no matter where he's at, they can run those RPO bubbles. They can run, you know, uh, double moves and stuff like that with him. There was a play last week where they faked – it was basically um, – a fake RPO that then turned into like four verts. And then on the backside was a tight end delay. And Rogers was patient enough to hit the tight end delay on the backside. And it's just like, when they're operating like that, there's only so many things you can do, man. There's, <laughs> there's only so many things you can do when Rogers can throw it into a shoebox to Devonte Adams and Devonte Adams can come away with that catch, even if it isn't tight coverage. So I think the Packers, when they have the ball, probably do have the advantage. The one big thing I would say is, can they run the ball? And a lot of that is contingent on like, is Larry Ogunjobi on the field? And we won't know that until inactives yeah. are released. 
Uh, I will say this, you know, in the LaFleur era, I think the thing I have enjoyed so much about watching the Packers offense, even in its early stages where it was still trying to figure itself out, you have two of the smartest offensive minds in football working together. And LaFleur embraced as soon as he showed up, we're going to give Rodgers as much input as he wants in this offense. And seeing how these two work together, I mean, they talked about it on that 49ers final drive that they drew up that first play concept just on practice on Thursday. Those are the kind of things where I've started to notice, especially this year, they see a weakness in the defense. They have a game plan to attack that all day. So looking forward to that, hoping to see that in person. You are right. It's all going to depend on if Ogunjobi's uh, healthy. One of the other things, just a quick note uh, about this offense. When I was watching the the um, coaches film, I was really able to hone in on like their personnel packages um, yep. for the, for the pack. I'm talking about the Packers here. I know I'm supposed to be playing Joe Goodberry. I'm, I'm not it's right hard. now. It's hard. <laughs> it's, it's hard to live up to those shoes, you know? Um, but one, th- one thing that they do do is they'll get you a nickel and they'll just line up a wide receiver, basically a tight end and they'll just run it down your throat. I mean, that that's one thing the Packers did. Um, I think kind of in response to MVS being out um, when they go 11, which is one back, one tight end, three wide receivers, often they end up going under center and they just run it down your throat and you're out you know, either a defensive tackle or an inside linebacker in the game. And that's very tough to handle when a guy like Alan Lazard is willing to block like a tight end, when a guy like Randall Cobb is willing to block like a tight end, when Amari Rogers is in the game and they're oh, giving yeah. one and one, one-on-one <laughs> blocks with TJ Watt, that's very hard to deal with when yep. you have a lighter box. Because if those wide receivers can give you anything in the run game from those alignments, you're in a mismatch situation just in terms of numbers in the box, you know? Uh, I don't know how Lazard's contract situation is ever going to work because I don't know how you quantify in dollars his blocking, but he is unquestionably the best blocker of in the league at wide receiver. It's just the impact he brings. I did write a little bit about that in my Randall Cobb film study piece, just because every, it felt like every play I was watching, I was like, damn, that's just some good effort from Lazard. Even EQ was getting in there trying. Uh, Amari Rogers, Cobb. Um, someone tweeted at me. It's like I, I noticed how he didn't say Devontae. It's like he takes away three guys on the field in the run game. They detach him existing. from the yeah. They detach him from the formation, and you could like you if you watch the coaches film. And one of the biggest things with the coaches film isn't necessarily like the angles, but being able to look at the formation for a certain amount of time before the play actually gets snapped. Like if you're yep. watching broadcast, right? I mean, they'll show you the formation for like two and a half seconds and the ball is getting snapped. And it's very hard to see patterns of what's actually happening in the game. That That's part of what it is. It's not even necessarily the angles. But when you're looking at it, I mean, you could see the gravity that Devontae Adams brings to the field because everything gets rotated that way, you know? And that that's so tough. Like, that's when you look at uh, the three tight end sets. And again, we're mentioning this again, but the tight end, the three tight end sets with Devontae opposite of it, they ran inside, they basically ran inside zone four times in a row out of the same formation against the Steelers. Then they had a play action shot to Tunyon and Rodgers threw it off of his back foot so it didn't get completed. But it would have been wide open for a touchdown. So their process yeah. really right now is like if you're going to let us run and you're going to play too high and we can get you in some sort of personnel mismatch because Alan Lazard is that as a blocker, because yep. Randall Cobb is that as a blocker. Um, they just do it and they'll do weird things too, where like a lot of their, their gun stuff last week was out of 12 personnel. They get two tight ends on the field. Now you have to match their gun passing offense, which is like 
Aaron Rodgers deep th- seven step deep drops from the gun and you're in your base and you have three defensive tackles out there and four linebackers and you're like holy crap I don't know if we can yep. you know cover Devonte Adams like that and then if Aaron Jones is lined up and empty that's very tough to handle too because he's essentially another deep shot wide receiver they threw a nine ball at him last week yep. and he almost came down with it for a touchdown uh, I liked those clear out concepts they were running for him too. They were sending, you know, if they were running trips with Jones out there, they were running some, you know, deep routes. And then he would just kind of delay a second cut across the field wide open because no one's covering. If you're playing zone, everyone's getting washed out by the receivers and you have Jones wide open and he is a weapon in the passing game. A uh, huge fan of that. I did want to go back to the 13 personnel, even though we've said it a hundred times. Only thing that drive was missing was a fullback to me. I think I tweeted at you when you said it, I was like, this is just hot football run it down the throat, keep running 13 personnel, just keep running inside zone however many times. That's my love language as far as football is just get A.J. Dillon out there and just show what those quads can do and just run through, guys. Yeah, and they do use Dillon uh, a lot in those heavy sets. Like when they want to run inside, you could tell they they would Good. rather run yeah. inside with A.J. Dillon than they would with uh, Aaron Jones, which, you know, it kind of leans into their skill sets. And if you're going to give Aaron Jones a breather, sure, give him give him a breather on inside runs and let A.J. Dillon do it. The reason I would say they probably aren't using a fullback like that right now is because uh, Daphne's on IR. And then DeGuara was already out there uh, as one of the wings, you know. Um, so maybe maybe if Daphne gets healthy enough where they can pull him off of uh, IR or something like that, they'll use him. But I'd be kind of interested in seeing what A.J. Dillon could do at fullback. I mean, if you can they use ran him a as play a threat. With them. They yeah, ran if a play you can with use them. a threat there, yeah. I mean – the whole, I think, I think they ran one. It was third or fourth and short with Dylan at fullback, and they did a fake fullback dive tossed to Jones. And I was like, "Oh, you can do some stuff." Everyone talks about pony package. Get me Dylan at fullback, and I feel like you can get pretty creative there. Yeah. All right. Um, so I think that covers it for the Packers offense. So we'll throw it to break right now, and then we'll flip to the other side of the ball. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back. So let's talk about the Green Bay Packers defense. Obviously, the big thing is Jair Alexander. So we got news today. Um, really kind of how this has worked out this week, right? Just to give you a timeline is Matt LaFleur shows up on Monday, on the Monday presser. He says, I'll give you an update on Wednesday. We don't know what's happening with Jair right now. We're looking for second opinions. Comes back on Wednesday, says, we're still looking for second opinions, guys, yeah. <laughs> basically. So the, the insight that we got on Wednesday was essentially they want to see if, you know, Jair can go without surgery and he can, you know, maybe miss some time, play with a, a, a sling on. And um, essentially what would happen is if he does have surgery, 
probably going to be a season ender. So they're yep. just hoping that this heals enough where he could come back at some point. Then today they let us know Jair's not going to have surgery. So that's a good sign on, on the front end. The next question becomes, all right, how long is he going to be out? Um, is he going to go on IR? I would say he's probably going to go on IR just yep. looking at kind of the AC injuries and the timeline of it. You know, it's going to be more than three weeks. So you might as well put him on IR, give him that designation to return, see how long it takes and, and then pull him off whenever he's ready. But I would assume he's going to go on IR. That doesn't mean his season is done. Um, who got hurt? Uh, Chauncey Rivers got hurt. He's on, he's probably going to go on injured reserve. Um, I think he's still technically listed on their 53 on their uh, injury, on the injury report. Yeah, he was on the injury report, but they were pretty straightforward, like, hey, he's going on IR. Yeah, so that's just – they're just waiting for the other shoe to drop there. Um, oh, boy, at pass rusher, that's going to be an interesting one. Ladarius Hamilton is probably going to be their fourth. Um, he's going to get into the game, I would say. It sounded like that from the way that uh, Matt LaFleur was talking about him yesterday on Thursday. Um, but he has not played a game yet. Uh, Ladarius was a guy who was picked up when Zadarius got put on injured reserve. Uh, he was picked up off of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers practice squad, but I believe he's the only Packer who hasn't been activated, um, for any game this season. So it's kind of a mystery box, right? I mean, <laughs> it could, with, this, this could be anything, right? It could even be a boat with this, the Stefan Gilmore trade rumors that didn't pan out and then immediately yeah. going into the Jalen Smith. And then you and I have had some chaos just off this podcast and Packers news. Just I've tweeted a lot of Ben Affleck cigarette memes just this week. Uh, tired. It's been chaotic. Even last week was a little chaotic with MVS and Zadarius news. Need it to, we just need it to calm down. Just, just take a second, take a deep breath. Maybe no one gets hurt this week. Knock on wood. That would be nice. Hopefully, but hopefully the, I'm praying. The, I keep asking my injury guys about well, my injury guy about uh, Jair. What what's likely going to happen? Best case scenario is four weeks in a harness. Uh, I, it's likely six to eight weeks, and he's still playing with that harness. So it's going to be. I think it's going to be some time. Uh, I think I would lean on the side of severity. If it took them this long to have any kind of decision on surgery, it must be pretty bad. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Sure, it's not good. Once you're asking for second, third, fourth, fifth opinions, I mean, that that's never necessarily what you want to hear. But yeah. the fact that he's not immediately having surgery is somewhat of a bright sign. I don't um, think you'll miss the season. So I, I think that's the way to look at it because they'll win the, the – yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, they win the division, get into the playoffs, he should be there. And he should – if not 100%, he should at least be able to perform. What do you think about the Packers – rostering six inside linebackers that that's something that I wouldn't have expected I would have thought that you know obviously there's been some injuries so I guess that like quote-unquote helps um not that injuries are ever a good thing but uh, but in terms of you know adding clarity to the roster construction that certainly did that this week so they have Barnes right Barnes seems like he's going to play um next to Devondre Campbell who I'm full-blown just like yeah, Pro Bowl vote. Let's do it. Yeah, Pro Bowl vote. Let's get let's get him in the <laughs> like, Pro Bowl. Let's build first the Packers, momentum. First Packers linebacker to ever exist. So get him in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, and then Burks, Summers off the bench. McDuffie's really only played um, special teams. I really don't think McDuffie really has a path to playing time as long as Burks is there, um, yeah. just because they're such similar players. And then obviously Jalen Smith uh, getting added. Uh, Jalen Smith was a linebacker. He played at Notre Dame. Had a huge injury, uh, catastrophic injury at the end of uh, 
I believe it was the bowl game against Ohio State, his last game of it his was, Notre Dame career. Yeah, it was the bowl game. I'm from Indiana, so I hear about Notre Dame all the time. Uh, it was the bowl game, and it definitely started a shift towards a lot of players skipping like somewhat meaningful, meaningless uh, bowl games. Yeah, because, I mean, he basically dealt with drop foot for a whole yeah. year, and that's that's a pretty tough injury. I mean, it's insane, honestly, that Jalen even got back to playing in the NFL. Um he ended up signing, I believe it was like a six-year, $64 million contract with the Dallas Cowboys. The reason that they cut him, essentially, was because he didn't want to waive his injury clause. What that means is that his contract, the way it's structured, if he would have gotten hurt in 2021, they would have guaranteed him money in 2022. The problem with okay. that is he that he's already moved onto the second line of the depth chart. So the yeah. So the Cowboys were in a position where it was like, the only thing we can't have you do is get hurt. That is yeah. the worst thing that can happen to us. We saw this happen. Um, this is an old example, but like RG3, right? His last year in Washington, uh, the, wa- the Washington team, football team, they weren't called the football team back then, guys, um, basically used RG3 as a scout team safety and just did not have him play quarterback at all, did not activate him at all. And the reason for that is they just did not want to trigger that injury clause. Yep. So the, the the Cowboys decided, all right, to hell with it. We're just going to cut you. If we can't find a team that will trade for your contract, we're just going to cut you. Um, he does have uh, off, offset clause in his contract. We got that confirmed. Um, so basically he signed a minimum deal with the Packers, um, the vet minimum for how many years that he's been in, that he's been in the league so that the Cowboys are basically on the hook for all of his money. So he's getting this. So if, if he couldn't have gotten more money than the Cowboys were going to pay him, then his money wouldn't have changed at all. This, the money that he's getting from Green Bay as the minimum isn't new money for him. Um, it's just basically taking away that money that the Cowboys owe him and, and reverting it to Green Bay. But they're only going to end up paying him like I think it was like seventy seven thousand for for uh, the remaining 14 games of the season or whatever. Seven hundred and seventy K. And I remember when the news was coming out, of course, it was like the one time this week I've been out of pocket. But all of a sudden the slack's blowing up. I checked my phone at dinner and I'm like, why is the slack on fire? Um, I was a little anxious about that signing at first because, you know, they had said there was a, like a robust market for him. He's probably going to sign for a big deal. Getting him on a vet minimum. Uh, and I watched some of the tape. He's, he's still got something in the tank, right? And if it's an upgrade over 44 on the defense, uh, that I see that as a win. Um, you bring up, you know, we have a ton of inside linebackers on the squad right now. Uh, I wonder if they're starting to view a couple of those guys as hybrid inside outside. You know, if there's such little depth on the outside, you know, they like to blitz with Burks. I could see them doing something similar with Jalen. I'd be super interested. I don't know if it'll happen but I would love to see if they try and have a second or third rotation of edge rushers with Jalen and Burks just to see what would happen. Yeah. And I wrote about it this week, but you know, Joe Barry is opening the playbook a little bit and yeah, he's, I like he's it. changing what they do in nickel. Um, there were plenty of times where they would go out there and, and typically the way three, four teams go into nickel, right. They take out a defensive tackle and then they put a slot corner in. So you have two defensive tackles, two pass rushers, two inside linebackers. The way Green Bay did it for a good spurt against the Steelers and also against the Niners uh, two weeks ago, not last week, um, was using three defensive tackles, two inside linebackers, and a pass rusher. Well, that's really interesting, right? Because yeah. who's playing the other edge then? Well, the answer is Burks because yeah. he's, he's screaming off the edge with that speed that he has. Jalen ha- 
Jalen, his legs are not where they used to be. Um, if we're going to be completely frank there, right. Yeah. It's not where it was at Notre Dame and that would have made him probably a top 10 pick. And that's why he fell down to the second round with that drop, those drop foot issues and all that. And shouts to him for being able to fight through that injury and get back on the field, but his legs aren't where they used to be, but he does have a size advantage. So you yep. can kind of play games with Burks and him where it's like, do we want speed or do we want size as that second inside linebacker? Because they're playing a lot of games defensively with not only their alignment, but the personnel packages that they put out there. Cause it's not just traditional three, four base. It's not just traditional, uh, you know, two, two, two nickel yep. stuff. They're, they're mixing and matching based off of what the situation in the game is. If it's first and 10, they might have three defensive tackles out there, even though it's nickel. If it's second and seven, they might only have two defensive tackles out there and they might just get edge rusher screaming off the edge. Let me, let me tell you going. I love the three defensive tackle bear front. You did a nice job of covering that by the way. Um, but going from Mike Pettin, who didn't understand really how run fits worked to going to, you know, we have to stop the run. They have really talented backs. Let's not take defensive linemen out off the field when we can um, has been really nice. And I know a lot of Packers fans really panicked early on about Joe Barry, but it does seem like he's got a plan. If he can, if he can hold the defense up while Jair is out, uh, he's going to deserve a lot of credit. Yeah. And then, you want to talk about the defensive backs right now. It seems like King is probably going to play. Um, it seems like Stokes is going to start opposite of him. I guess you have to play Tandon, right, as the nickel. I mean, the hope was, you know, King eventually could take over as a nickel and be at least a little bit more physical, if nothing else, and and have a long body there. Um, I, th- I still think King is a guy that you want using the sideline as a defender at the end of the day. Yeah. And ideally, you know, probably Jair plays a slot um, kind of like how the, the Rams used uh, Jalen Ramsey and stuff. And you can look at college football teams, college football teams for the most part in these like modern defenses, their studs are playing in the slot. Like when Mika is playing for Alabama, he's playing in the slot. He's not using, he doesn't I'm have to Kyle use Hamilton sideline. all the time do this yep. right now playing in the slot just because you want a guy that's big body can break downhill athletic is all get out and can cover and doesn't need to use the sideline as leverage as you pointed out. Yeah, you got to have a certain level of movement skills to play that position when you have a two way go against a guy. Um, one interesting thing that I would say coming into this game, I mean, this is the second week that they've had four safeties, right? Vernon Scott is now healthy enough that he can play in games. I do wonder if they would ever use Savage as that nickel um, because Savage does one. He has the physicality Two, he has the speed three. He has movement skills as a, he has movement skills that are similar to a cover corner. Right. So those three things benefit him. The one thing is that when the Packers go into three safety looks, they don't add the extra safety as a, as that nickel, they add him as a box defender. So they'll take an inside backer off the field and they'll drop Amos in there. And then they'll have, you know, right now it's Savage and uh, Henry Black playing up top. So that's I, I didn't. To watch, I, but. I didn't love what I saw from Henry Black against San Francisco. I don't think he played a ton, but he seemed to get baited on a couple of things when his responsibilities were deep safety. But I really like the idea of Savage in the slot. I'm, his click close ability is where he wins, and that's a position where you kind of need that, especially if you're trying to support run and things like that. So you bring that up, and now that's something I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Um, you know, I feel like Barry's going to have to change up a lot in the secondary without Jair. You know, a lot changes. It's going to be a battle of attrition for the rest of the way until Jair's healthy. Um, I am curious if they we see more Isaac Yadam. You know, he has starting experience. How how terrible can he be? 
is my thought process. Although you are going against a pretty absolutely stacked wide receiver group. I said this after last game, but I'm not sure if King is even better than Yadam. You know, like yeah. Yadam, mm-hmm. Yadam isn't anything to write home about, but he's, he, you know, through the preseason, through the regular season when he's gotten limited snaps, he hasn't really had the coverage bus that you see with King sometimes. And yep. it's not even necessarily coverage bus, but just losing track of the ball. I think that's one of the more frustrating things with King where it's like, you're a long body, you can run. And sometimes you are in the right position and you still lose. And that's the toughest thing to handle. Um, On the Henry Black thing, I'm actually... Not to bring it back to preseason takes, but I was actually kind of surprised that he made the 53 because I don't think he was that impressive, even relative to the other safeties that were out there in the preseason. Like Ennis Gaines, who's on the practice squad right now, I thought he was great in the preseason. He was just a missile. And and that's a, the type of guy that I think that the defense in certain sub packages, there, there's a way to find that guy on the field. And I think he would have helped out on special teams, too. I know Black plays a ton of special teams. He's a vet especially with Vernon Scott dealing with that hamstring injury that basically took him out for a month plus. I'm sure that played into the, the decision to keep black on the team. Um, but I do wonder if they kind of make a move there. Cause I, I don't really know what black really brings to the table. I mean, I'm not trying to rip the guy. He's a second yeah. string safety. I mean, yeah, exactly. You, you can only expect so much. It's just, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the role is. I don't really don't. It's, it's the NFL. So even if things don't change drastically, which, you know, this is coming out Friday evening, it still might, it still might change pretty drastically by Sunday uh, over the next few weeks. If things aren't working right, you, you're going to see a lot of changes. So that could be where you see Ennis Gaines. You could see Ento. Like you have no idea who could come off the practice squad because there's really not a ton of names in the secondary worth pursuing, at least on the free agent market right now. Maybe they try to make a trade near the deadline. If Jair isn't healing properly, there's, there's a lot that could go into this. If they played more man, I'd be more comfortable with Entel being in there. But he he's just in in the run game. It's very obvious that he's a former wide receiver, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's that's kind of what what hurts him a little bit. Um, pivoting to how this matches up with the Cincinnati Bengals offense because we got a, we got a football game on Sunday. Yeah. Um. The the big thing with the Bengals offense right now, we mentioned it already. Two offensive linemen, Trey Hopkins, their center. That's a huge deal. He's on yep. the injury report. If he doesn't play, that's huge. Xavier Suofilo. Um, he's out, right? He, yeah, he's out. He hasn't been healthy in a while, but that's still a pretty big deal. Jackson Carmen uh, was drafted in the second round out of Clemson. He was probably overdrafted a little bit. He was supposed to play tackle. They kicked him inside a guard. He's faring better at guard. He's not doing a great job, but he's faring better at guard. And then Joe Mixon is the other one where it's like, if you don't have him and it's just Samaji Pirine and Chris Evans in the backfield, that's a big question mark because – one, one other thing, too, is Mixon, the, the way the Bengals' offense is structured, right, it's very obvious when they're going to pass and when they're going to run. They, are, yep. they have one of the biggest splits for under center and gun um, in terms of run pass. So when they're under center, they run the ball 80% of the time. When they're in the gun, they pass 80% of the time. One of the biggest issues is when Joe Mixon is in the game, he cannot contribute much as a pass blocker. And I'm sure a billion people just rolled their eyes or yeah, rolled their <laughs> yeah. eyes listening to that and saying running back pass blocking. It doesn't matter. It does. It, it does. does unfortunately, matter. Sony Michelle on Thursday night had some great pass protection while Stafford wasn't hundred percent and helped him open up the way for some big throws. Right. And they used to have that guy in Jules Bernard and they don't yep. have that anymore. So when Mixon was in, you know, they've basically had to get five out in terms of route combinations, which just leaves five offensive linemen out there. And I don't know if it's a quarterback issue 
I don't know if it's an offensive line issue. And I don't know if it's a uh, coaching issue, right? Those are three things that are hard to differentiate unless you're in the room. But for whatever reason, even against the Steelers, um, you were seeing them slide to the wrong side. And by the wrong side, I mean, not where the numbers are in terms of the slide. So you would get like one defensive lineman on the entire, you know, center guard tackle to the left side. Right. And they would still slide to the left. So they would basically have three guys on one and then their whole right side of the offensive line is dealing with whatever Pittsburgh was sending at them. So they can't get into protections. Right. I do wonder if that's a, especially with if you're going to have two backup offensive linemen in and a backup running back, like just blitz the hell out of it. Right. I mean, if you're Joe Barry, you're like, this is the Oren Burks game where we have you <laughs> inside linebacker and you're blitzing from depth and you might get free. And it's just, who can run fastest from point A to point B and get to Joe Burrow? That that I'm, might be what decides the game. I was going to bring it up. Like you bring a good point up at Burks. I would love to see some blitzes, but you're telling me you're going up against a depleted, banged up interior offensive line without Joe Mixon. That sounds like a Kenny Clark game to me. I, oh, I, would, yeah. love, I would love to see. I, I will say this, you know, a lot of people started criticizing his contract and how he plays. I feel like consistently this season, you know, even if we don't include week one, cause that never happened. Um, he has consistently kicked ass every week. Yeah. And one thing that's helped him out is they've moved him out to end. I love in, it. Yeah. In, in base downs. I know we talked about it and really the only, the only hesitation I had was like, can his legs are his legs in a spot where he can do that for 17 games plus the playoffs. Right. That's mm-hmm. the only concern that I had, but they're using him in a more penetrating role, which is nice. Um, you know, obviously in nickel, you really don't get to choose where you line up. Cause you're just, you know, if you're the left defensive tackle, you're going to line up to the strength, right? So it, it, it doesn't matter. You know, you're just lining up to the strength of the formation. And then that's the shoulder of the guard that you're lining up on. So you don't get to decide if you're going to play, you know, three technique, or if you're going to play nose tackle or in base, when the Packers do have the choice, they are now moving Kenny Clark to defensive end, which is really like a three tech four eye, whatever you want to call it outside shade of the guard. And they're just letting him get downhill and get into the backfield. And I think that's really nice for him. Um, Passing game wise, you know, Joe Burrow is having a better season. Um, He for for what he's done for a guy who tore his ACL as a rookie and then is coming back and is playing comfortable. Like shouts to him, because I think there is a certain level of competitor there um, that is going to lead to success down the line in the NFL. And you heard uh, Matt LaFleur and Joe Barry both sing his praises uh, coming into this game and say, you know, what he's had to fight through, like he's going to make it like basically is, is their thought. Um, but at wide receiver, Jamar Chase is kind of the dude. Tyler Boyd is a great slot receiver. Um, they have a banged up wide receiver core outside of that for the most part. So like T Higgins, I believe is questionable. Mike Thomas is out. And then Stanley Morgan just returned to practice today. So there's a lot of like uh, question marks behind their three major wide receivers. And a lot of those guys are now banged up. So it's kind of like the Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd show in the passing game right now. I, I will say, if you had asked me, like, what's the thing you're most excited to see in person uh, for this game, not including a Packers thing, it's Burrow and Chase. That college team they were on is one of the most entertaining college football programs I've ever watched. So um, 
I am a huge fan of Burrow. Uh, Chase is just an animal. I mean, he skipped an entire year of college and everyone was like, oh yeah, he's wide receiver one still. Like, it's not even a question. Just that's the part that worries me. Their chemistry is clearly on point. He, they, those two have connected on some really impressive deep balls already this year. And for Burrow to be doing that, like you said, off a torn ACL and behind a pretty subpar line, uh, that should be a little concerning given how banged up the Packers secondary is. And that's where I feel like, you know, this could become a shootout if the secondary isn't ready and Barry doesn't have the right game plan. Yeah. The one, the one big benefit I would say for the Packers coming into this game relative to other games. And I guess you got it with the Steelers too, but it's just, they are more talented up front than they are, uh, than the Bengals are um, when they have the ball. So that's something that's nice because, you know, San Francisco, they probably had the advantage outside of run skill. I would say that was a big mismatch there. Oh, um, run skill. Dean, that was fun. <laughs> Dean Lowry was just able to run through his face. Um, and then, you know, the Lions and the Saints both have quality offensive lines. So yep. uh, against the Steelers, you know, they were able to stop them uh, running the ball efficiently in any way. Um, I think that's probably going to be the case uh, this week, too. Um, so that's just my general thoughts about this game. Uh, do you want to get into predictions? Sure. Why not? Um, for the record, the Packers have never won a road game that I've attended They're, uh It's over two over three, something like that. And so. the Bengals, there's been some like <laughs> bad juju with the Bengals too, where oh, it's yeah. like they, they get in the games, they end up winning them. They took away, uh, what's his name? Jonathan Franklin's career from us. Like oh, God, just bad. I was so excited. Why'd you bring that up, man? I loved yeah. Jonathan Franklin. That kid was coming up. I was like, this is the dude. They was Lacey on the team at the time too. Yep. So same, you had thunder and lightning and you had thunder and lightning and you're like, Oh, this is going to be insane. And then, Oh man, you had to bring that up. You also got the Brett Favre, uh, getting the ball taken away from him by a fan. That's always a good one to remember. Yeah. They're just a lot of bad memes about the Bengals Packers matchup. It's, you just it's bummed me out. A great one. I, I just remember Jonathan Franklin existed. Holy crap, man. Wow. The NFL, it, it eats your body. It eats your body, man. Um, all right, so predictions. I thought, you know, Tex and I were talking about this in the post game. I thought the game was going to open up at like five and a half, six. It yep. opened up at three and a half. It's we at have, like two and a half now. Yeah. Yes. Want to know the most interesting part? We have, so SB Nation team sites this past week just uh, entered a partnership with DraftKings. Okay. Okay. So I'm starting to get these email blasts about, you know, hey, these are the lines. This is the way it's moving. Here's how many people have bet on these games on which side. This yep. is the amount of money on these games on this side. The money and the bets are both coming in on the Green Bay Packers, but the line yep. is moving toward the Bengals. So that's big time. Like Vegas needs the Bengals yeah. to look at least competent in this game because I'm sure there's teasers, money line parlays, all sorts of stuff that's being tied up in this game. I think that line is still too low. I think I think the Packers should come into this and they should be, you know, six-point favorites or something like that. Obviously, you still got to play the ball game, but I do think that the Packers are a significantly better team than this Bengals team, even though the Bengals are three and one. That's just kind of my perspective. It's it's all going to come down to how hot their piss is, right? Like that's Oh my real god. <laughs> Yeah, we went. We almost forward. went the whole. We almost went the whole episode without talking about it, and I refuse. We have to talk about it. Yeah. Um, is that the second time he's brought up urine in a press conference this year? Yeah, because week one was a. It was about Jack. So Lafleur talked about hydration. Yep, hydration. He talked about urine. Uh, 
going into that Jacksonville game because of how hot it is. He said he wanted guys to piss clear like three days before the game. And then now yesterday he, he said uh, it was in the context of having their first morning game of the season. Right. So he said, you know, you got to wake up with your piss hot. He then got asked like, what does that mean? And he was like, I don't know. You just got to do it. So, okay. Just wake up with your piss hot. It's probably like a really bad sign if you wake up and your piss is cold, right? Like something internally is going wrong uh, that like might lead to death. I'd argue either one is bad. Like if it, uh, either one How is hot, bad. right? Yeah, I mean, there's hot. so many follow-ups. I burned a hole through my toilet. Like we're ready to go. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So uh, clear piss, full piss, can't lose. I've already said it before, but that's my motto going forward. Um, no, no, sorry. Clear piss, hot piss, can't lose. So that's where we go. I'm going, I think it's a 10 point win. I, the, my streak's got to end some point for, I've been to at Indy great game, by the way, last year, uh, two years ago, I was in Los Angeles, um, at the StubHub center, you know, which I guess technically counted as an NFL venue. Um, 31, 21. Um, I think the secondary hangs on, I think without a run game, they become really one dimensional and the Packers game plan for that. And I think we get that first win where maybe not the first one of the year, but another Rogers winners, like he just kicked ass. I'm praying. I'm praying. Rogers moving up the uh, MVP odds too. I, I'm is, kind of surprised by that because of how, how bad that week one game is. It weighs so much on your stats that if you're looking at it from a season long perspective, it's tough to win an MVP after having one of those type of games, but he's what he's had in the last three games. It's something like, uh, like 800 passing yards and eight touchdowns, zero eight interceptions, touchdowns, zero picks. Yeah. And he, I mean, and, it, and, it, and he hasn't even played his best. He's left so many throws on the table and those are his numbers over the last three. And weeks. he's out his best two offensive linemen too. I mean, yeah. for, for most of that stretch, you know, we don't know when uh, Elton Jenkins specifically got injured, but if nothing else, we had a banged up Elton Jenkins and then David Bakhtiari out. So yeah, I'm very optimistic about this game. Uh, hopefully uh, Larry Ogunjobi just doesn't wreck uh, whoever's in there at center. Um, and hopefully they can keep Jamar chase bottled up a little bit. Cause it seems yep. like those are kind of like the win conditions for Cincinnati walking out with a win. What about vibes? Are we going to do vibes? Usually that's post game thing, but vibes are feeling pretty good. I go offensively. My vibes are like at seven, uh, including yeah. all the injuries defense. I'm at like five. I, I want to see what the secondary looks like before I, I give them positive, uh, credit. It's a little exciting, though. I know, like, if you're trying to spin it in your head, like, it's a little exciting to see an unproven secondary and what they can do because, you know, you still got Amos and Savage in the backfield. And I talk about it every week. I get so fired up about Stokes because when they drafted him, it was the one year I did not do any draft prep and I had no idea who he was. So it's been pretty satisfying to watch that guy develop already. So bring it on. Let's see what happens. I'll be there. If you see me, uh, do not buy me a beer. I will be driving. So I'm only going to have, you know, one or two, but uh, come say hi. I'll be wearing a, actually a Jair jersey. So, you know, there we go. great timing. All right, man. Have a good time. Uh, sorry for you guys uh, that we kept this. So uh, we released it so late. Um, sorry, you're going to have to forgive us. Yeah. But thank sorry, you. Sorry, Joe Goodberry for spending a time for spending an hour with me and uh, not having it show up on the feed. I'm fortunate about that, but we should be, uh, right on target you know the rest of the weekend uh keep an eye out for inactives all that check into acme packing company on game day uh if you're if you're a poster 
uh, go in and, and post some comments in the game thread, and then we'll have the uh, podcast on time next week. Thanks, guys.